Well, good morning, man. It's so good to have you guys here. Thank you for spending part of your Sunday with us here at Local and, and making this a priority. Uh, man, it's not just attending church. It is being part of church. So thank you so much for valuing that, for being there. And this is your first time. Welcome. Uh, we're thrilled that you are here today. When you walked in today, you got a card. Note card looks just like this. Go ahead and grab that. Grab a pen at your seat. You're going to need it. Today will not work. At all. It will ruin everything we've done so far if you do not grab your card. Um, and we've got some guest services team. If you did sneak in here without one, just raise your hand and we will get you a note card and then make sure you have it. So here's what I need you to do with your note card. Grab your pen, grab your note card, and I need you to write your first name and last initial. First name, last initial, doesn't matter which side, although that probably says something about your personality if you like the lines or the not, non-line side. So first name... Last initial, you got it? First name, last initial, got your cards, write it down. And then once you finish that, you're going to put it off to the side. We're going to come back to that in about 15 minutes. So do not throw it away. Do not lose it. Do not put your chewing gum in it. Do not write anything else on it. It's going to be very, very important. We're going to come back to it in about 15 minutes. We'll get, uh, we'll get back to that. So we're in a Bible teaching series where we are looking at uh, what we would call kind of the war within or those internal struggles, those internal battles that we all face and that we all deal with. And what we know about those internal struggles and battles, that war within, is it impacts us on the inside and it eventually also comes out. So it impacts us on the inside. It then goes to our, our, our feelings, how the emotions that we struggle with our attitudes, our thought process, and then it begins to even come out in our actions and our decision-making. So as we talk through these things like stress and worry, anxiety, depression, fear, being under pressure, being overwhelmed, sin, temptation, brokenness, as, as we talk through all of those, no, those aren't just the struggles internally. That's where they are, that's where the battle's being fought, but it impacts so much of our lives and the people around us as well. So as we've been going through this Bible teaching series, four things that I've always wanted to keep in front of you, and I'll say them again today. Four things as we go through the series. One, pray and pray a lot. Be praying for yourself, your family, your friends. Pray for our church. Pray for the person sitting next to you. Because we all deal with these, and we need to understand that there's power in prayer. We've got a prayer team that would love to pray for you and with you. That QR code that's right there on the seat back, it says scan me, scan that. There's a place for you to send us your prayer request. We've got a team that specifically and individually prays for those every single week. So let us pray for you. I would tell you to be in your Bible. The passage that we go through today, jump back into it Monday through Saturday. Keep rereading that section of scripture because I believe God is gonna keep revealing truths to you from what we talk about. Please don't just like, well, we talked about it for about 30 minutes on a Sunday. No, there's a lot more that you can talk about within there. So be in your Bible. I would say use other people, use the next step team. We have a next step team after every single service. They come up here to the front of the stage. They are here for you, to pray with you, to talk with you, to answer questions, just to, just to be with somebody, to know that you're not going through these struggles alone. They are there for you. That's part of what it means to be the church, is to be there for one another, carry one another's burdens. So take me up on that. Even if you're kind of a shy, introvert person, man, I know that's a big step at the end, but you walk away knowing that somebody is spiritually fighting for you and walking alongside with you. So use the next step team. Last thing I would tell you, and I'm going to keep saying as we go through this series, is counseling is a sign of strength, not weakness. 
And if you're not sure where to start or who to go to or how to reach out, email us at info at localchurchdawson.com. We will send you back an email with several uh, partners that we have within the community. They're not on our staff, but love the ministry that they do, believe in their approach to counseling, uh, being Jesus-focused and Bible-based. And so I'd love to help connect you to some counselors that may be helpful if that's a next step for you. So those four things, keep those in mind as we go through. So what we're going to do, we're going to read the passage we're going to be talking through today first, because I need you to see like the story in its entirety. And then we're going to go back through and go kind of verse by verse, because there's a lot of truths I want you to see. But need you to see the beginning, middle, and end first. We'll pray, and then we'll go through, through these verse by verse and see uh, what we can learn from it. So if you got your Bible, Exodus chapter 17, we're going to be in uh, verse 8 through 13. And I think this is another example of having a physical Bible in front of you is going to be helpful to see what else is happening uh, and can't always see that just on your phone. So I'm not anti-technology. You can use your phone if you want. But you're going to see a lot more context when you have the chapters and the pages right in front of you. So let me read through the passage. I'll pray and we'll go back through it verse by verse. Verse 8. While the people of Israel were still at Rephidim, the warriors of Amalek attacked them. Moses commanded Joshua, choose some men to go out and fight the army of Amalek for us. Tomorrow I will stand at the top of the hill holding the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did what Moses had commanded and fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, and Hur, H-U-R, not H-E-R, Hur, climbed to the, t- Bible jokes, you'll get it later, climbed up to the top of, the, of a nearby hill. As long as Moses held up the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hand, the Amalekites gained the advantage. Moses' arms soon became so tired that he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on. Then they stood on each side of Moses, holding up his hands. So his hands held steady until sunset. Verse 13, as a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word, for the truths of your word. Holy Spirit, would you open our eyes and ears and heart to what you would say to each of us today? God, may we not just listen and move on, but may we truly hear and take to heart. And may your word take deep roots into our hearts so that it impacts more than just a few moments on a Sunday, but impacts every thought and every decision and every word and every action, especially this week. Open our eyes, Lord. Speak to us, for we are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, so when, when you look at me, um, I recognize you would say a lot of things to describe me. And I don't know why we're laughing yet. Hadn't gotten to that part yet. Um, but when you look at me, you may describe me in a lot of different ways. My strength is probably not one of the first things that you would mention if describing me. You might say something along the lines of he's short and talks a lot before you start talking about how buff I am and all the muscles that I have. I'm okay with that. I'm all right with that. I do work out, as you can tell, um, mainly so I can just keep eating Chick-fil-A, which I had two pimento chicken sandwiches this last week. I know last week we talked about sin and temptation, and it was just too much this week. But remember, we said that we were in the struggle together, so no judgment there. I saw a lot of you there the other day, by the way. I was like, half our church is at Chick-fil-A trying the pimento sandwich. I digress. Uh, So, yes, I work out, but no, I don't work out in a way that you would probably ever be able to tell. Um, But even for me, even for me, somebody who is not classified as strong 
Even for me, somebody that does not spend all of his time trying to get more muscles, this right here is pretty easy for me. I'm just, I don't mean to brag, but I'm just letting you know, me and two pound dumbbells, no problem. I'm not straining at all. It is not difficult for me whatsoever. I'm not even breaking a sweat. And I can multitask. I feel like I could do this all day long. I could preach while I'm lifting weights. Not too bad, right? Here's the problem, though. Here's the problem. There is going to be a point, probably about right now, <laughs> where, where it, starts to, it starts to get a little bit more difficult. It starts to feel a little bit heavier. It starts to become a little bit harder. Now, is that because the weight has magically gained more weight? No, it didn't go from a two-pound weight to a 10-pound weight. No, so the weight hasn't changed, but I've changed, right? I've become weaker, and so it feels like it's a whole lot harder. doesn't matter how strong you think you are. And I know everybody in this room is like, I'm stronger than you, Brian. I could do that a whole lot longer than you could. I have no doubt. I do not disagree with you. But no matter how strong you are, at some point, this is going to be too much. For every single one of us, it will become too much. A YouTuber actually put out this challenge and gave a one-pound dumbbell weight to a guy that's about seven of me, right, where both of my legs together equaled one bicep, and said, could you lift this one-pound weight? He's like, oh, yeah, of course. Well, let's see then. Prove it. How many can you do? He's like, I do this all day. He began to do it almost all day. He got to around the 30,000 number, and he could not lift it anymore. It does not matter how strong you are. At some point, it feels too heavy. It did not get heavier. We just get weaker. So when we talk about today, as we go through this story, that really describes the story of Moses that we just read through. He was under pressure, and the pressure didn't change. What changed, what changed was his ability to stand up underneath the pressure. So what we're going to do, we're going to go through, like I said, kind of verse by verse. There's some truths I want us to point out, and then as we get towards the end, we're going to hover over one spot for a little bit, and I'm praying that it is helpful because we all deal with pressures. We all deal with what I thought I used to be able to do and it was no problem has now become more difficult and I'm just not sure how much longer I can do it. If you've said that, I pray today is helpful for you. So let's look through it again. Verse 8, we'll go verse by verse. Verse 8, when the people of Israel, Israel were still at Rephidim, the warriors of Amalek attacked them. What you need to pay attention to here is this was not a, a deserved attack. It's not like Israel was going through somebody else's land and was trying to take over a bunch of stuff. And then Amalek was, was defending their own homes. No, it's the reverse of that. Amalek, this was... This was them coming in and fighting. This was them coming after Israel, and Israel had nothing to do with it. Like, whoa, 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 why are you fighting us? Why are you coming after us? Just a little context. Remember, Israel had been slaves in Egypt. Moses, God through Moses, rescued them out of Egypt, the whole let my people go thing with Pharaoh. And so now that's still very new. So they're just kind of wandering around the desert trying to find their new home where God's leading them. And here are these people, this other nation that just comes and attacks them. And what I want you to hear is not every attack you see coming. Not every attack is your fault. Israel was wandering around in the desert and they get attacked. They had to deal with it 
even though it wasn't what they saw coming. And they obviously were not planning for it, but now they were stuck dealing with it. I think it's also a good side note to keep in mind. This was their, as a nation of Israel, this was their first battle even. Because they had been in captivity with Egypt. They didn't have to really do any fighting there. And even with the, the plagues, that was God fighting their battles for them. They didn't really have to fight against the Egyptians. Now they're faced for the very first time, a lot of unknowns, a lot of uncertainties, and now they're being attacked. What are they going to do? Verse 9, Moses has a plan, the leader of God's leader for this nation. Moses commanded Joshua, here's his plan, choose some men to go out and fight the army of Amalek for us. Makes sense. Tomorrow, second part of his plan, tomorrow I will stand at the top of the hill holding the staff of God in my hand. I laugh because you got to just picture yourself as Joshua for a second. So you're, you're just out of Egypt and you're trying to figure things out. This other nation attacks you. You have to respond. You have to do something. You look to Moses. This is God's chosen one, Moses. And Moses says, I have a plan. Everyone says, oh, thank goodness. What are we going to do, Moses? And so then he calls Joshua. Now, you might know Joshua, but Joshua is still very new in the narrative of Israel at this point. So later on, yeah, Joshua would then take Moses' place, Joshua and Jericho. We learn a lot about Joshua later. This is one of the first times we're actually first told of Joshua. So Joshua's all excited and comes before Moses. Moses is like, all right, here's the plan. Joshua's like, I'm all ears. What are we going to do? Moses says, you choose some men, your best fighters, and go and fight. Joshua's like, I can do that. That makes sense. Let's do that. Moses, what are you going to do? Let me tell you what I'm going to do, Joshua. You see that hill way over there? I'm going to go and stand over there, and I'm going to hold my hands up while you do all the fighting. We don't know this, and maybe Joshua was a much more godly and trusting and faithful man than I am. I'd be thinking, Moses, that sounds like a great idea. How about we swap? How about you go fight in the battle, and I'll go hold my hands up on the hill? One of these parts of the plans makes sense to us. The other one has us a little questioning, doesn't it? What I need you to pay attention to is Moses had a plan that included the physical. Yes, we are going to go and fight. We need to do something. But his plan also included the spiritual. Now, even though the word pray or prayer is not in this passage, Moses is going to be holding on to the staff of God with his arms held high. He's interceding for Joshua and his men. Intercessory prayer. I know that sounds like a 3.0 Christian word for you. Intercessory prayer is when we pray to God on the behalf of someone else. That's what Moses is doing. He recognizes we cannot win this battle just by fighting. We need to fight, but we cannot win this battle if we just fight. Moses realizes we need to fight, but we also need to pray. We need God. We cannot win this fight if we don't go to God, no matter how hard we fight. So even though we're not told Moses went up to the hill to pray, the action, what he's doing is the action of interceding for someone else, for Joshua, for the men, for this nation. So a couple of things just to point out in regards to prayer and the spiritual part of the plan that we see with Moses here. The first one is just that. It was part of the plan. Oftentimes, we, may, we, we get in our head, okay, I need to do this. I need to take care of this, the fight part of the plan. That makes sense to us. But prayer ends up being the last resort. Prayer is the, oh man, this didn't work out the way I thought. Oh God, please, will you help me now? It's not a last resort for Moses. It is part of the plan. We are going to do this and we are going to do that. We are going to go fight and we are going to pray. We are going to have 
have God be part of this, invite him to be part of this. It was part of the plan. It was not a last resort. The other aspect of prayer here, I mentioned it, is this is an intercession. This is Moses interceding, praying on behalf of someone else. And oftentimes when we think of our prayer lives, we think of, God, I need this and I need you to take care of this. And God, I'm desperate for this. And God, would you help me with this? And God, I'm feeling this. Like those are great. You need a personal and intimate Prayer life with God, with your heavenly father, where you are open and transparent and vulnerable with him and then you listen to him. You need that. It's very personal. But what we see here is another aspect of our prayer life that's just as important. How we pray for others. How we go to God, the creator of the universe, and pray on behalf of a family member and a friend and that coworker and that other person that's actually in the battle. I love what Moses shows us here. Moses is not in the battle like Joshua, but he is praying on behalf of the one who is. I love that we see that. Last part I would mention is, again, it's part of the plan. Both are important. It's not just, okay, God, we're praying. You're going to like fix this, right? Oftentimes that's how we approach God. It requires action from us, but it requires us to go to God and pray for him to intervene. We need both. If we just are all action, then that means we're being dependent on ourselves. It never works out well. If we just pray, then we're not fulfilling our responsibilities where God wants to work through us and in us. We need both. So we see that Moses allows the spiritual to be part of the plan. When we're overwhelmed and under pressure, prayer is not a last resort. It is part of the plan. So verse 10, so Joshua did what Moses had commanded and fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, and Hur climbed to the top of a nearby hill. Now we know the end of the story. That's why we read it all together at first. We know that eventually Moses is going to get tired and he's going to need some help. And what I love about the wisdom of Moses is as he's going up on the hill, he go, he, he, at that moment, he brings Aaron and Hur along with him. It's not like he gets up on the hill by himself raises the, the staff of God over his head, holds it up high, intercedes for Joshua and his men, and then realizes, oh, I'm gonna get a little tired. This isn't gonna work well. I'm going to need some help. Could you imagine that scene if Moses is up on the hill by himself when he started getting a little tired? Uh, hey, Aaron, up here, Aaron! You, whoever's next to you, her, yeah, her. Get it? Anyway, <laughs> you're welcome. I need you to come. And then you can picture Aaron. What? Keep it up. <laughs> I mean, could you imagine that scene? But that's often what we do. I got it. I'm all over this. No problem at all. Until it is. Uh, help? Anybody? <laughs> Moses did not isolate himself on the hill. He brought them with him before he needed them. Man, let's never get stuck on the hill by ourselves. He had the wisdom to know he was going to need somebody around him. And he didn't want to be up there all by himself when he ran into trouble. So he brought Aaron and her with him before he ever needed them. Verse 11 as long as Moses held up the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hand, the Amalekites gained the advantage. Talk about pressure. 
All right, Moses, as long as your hands hold that staff and that staff stays high up in the air, the Israelite army will have the advantage. They will be winning. But Moses, whatever you do, do not drop your hands. Because if you do, now again, we're talking war language here. This is war. And when you start to be defeated in war, what does that mean? People die. I mean, we're not exaggerating the story. When his hand started to drop, the result was the Israelites started to lose the advantage. They lost ground and they lost men. Quite literally, these people's lives were in Moses' hands. Talk about pressure. Now, maybe we can't relate exactly to that, but I mean, don't sell it too short. There's people's lives that your decision impact around you. There are people that rely on you. There are people that depend on you. So even though maybe it's a slightly different scenario, you and I still deal with the responsibilities and the pressures of life. Here's, what, here's kind of what pressure will whisper to you constantly. Sometimes it's louder than others, but pressure is constantly whispering this. As long as I fill in the blank, as long as you fill in the blank, then here's what happens. So Moses, pressure is whispering. Moses, as long as you keep your hands up, the Israelite army will win. But if you don't, they start to lose. As long as you get up every day and go to work like you're supposed to, then your family will be provided for. As long as you continue to meet deadlines and get the work done, then you will have job security, pressure. As long as you, field goal kicker, at the 30-yard line in the middle of the field at the Clemson game yesterday, as long as you kick the field goal, you had one job to do. As long as you kick the field goal, then we win. But you didn't. And we lost in overtime. Another subject. But it still applies. I feel bad for him. There's a lot of pressure for that poor kid. And he's a kid, mind you. As long as I, then, what pressure are you feeling right now? What is, the, what is the words of pressure whispering to you? Oh, as long as you, then look, it'll happen. And if you don't, then here's what happens. That's what pressure begins to whisper for each and every one of us. We're all dealing with responsibilities and pressures. And at some point, it starts to get too much. Side note real quick on the pressure piece on this is these are not bad pressures we're talking about. These are not responsibilities that we can just like let go of, right? What Moses is doing is a good thing. So often when we talk about being under pressure or be, oh, being overwhelmed, we feel like the, the answer is, well, you just need a little bit more balance in your life. You need to figure out your seasons and your rhythm. You need to learn how to say no a little bit better. Like, and there's a place for that. I'm not knocking that. There's a place for that. But there's a lot of responsibilities I have and you have that we can't just let go of that we cannot say no to. Parents, you can't just say, done being a parent. I mean, I kind of say that every now and then, but I don't really mean it. <laughs> when things get hard in your family, you're like, well, oh, pressure's too much, I'm out. When work gets too hard because, man, there's just a lot of pressures, I quit. Some of you might need to quit. That might be another, that's a one-on-one -on -one conversation. Don't jump to conclusions here. 
But you see what I'm saying? There's plenty of pressures and responsibilities and, and tasks that we have where people really do depend on us. And I'm not saying you drop those. I'm just saying the pressure is going to get to be too much. And that's what we see next. And we're going to hover around this passage, uh, verse 12 and 13, for a little bit. Verse 12. Moses' arms soon became so tired. Say it with me and say it like that. So tired. They soon became so tired that he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on. Then they stood on each side of Moses, holding his hands. So his hands held steady until sunset. And as a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle. What did his arms get? They got so tired. He didn't start out tired. He started out fine. No problem. I got this. I can do this all day long. But at some point, he became weaker. There's a progression here. And I think you've probably heard this progression in your head at some point. Like Moses, it's you walk into a situation and you've got it. I'm on it. I can take care of this. Man, I can do this all day. I can do this in my sleep. This doesn't bother me. I've been through worse before. And you think you've got it. You really believe that. And you have the strength to do it. And then it just goes a little bit longer than you thought it was. You start asking the question, well, how much longer? I'm still good for now. How much longer? It's a lot harder than I thought it was. It's a little bit more difficult. Why am I having a harder time now? I, I used to be able to do this, no problem. I thought I had it, but I'm not sure if I have this anymore. I don't know how much longer I can do this. I'm barely hanging on. I don't have much left in me. I don't think I can do this anymore. I want to, I'm really trying, but I don't think I can. I can't. That is the progression that pressure will lead you down every single time. So where are you at in the progression? I got it. For now, probably, yes. Are you somewhere in the middle? How much longer? I mean, it's getting a little harder than I thought. Are you close to calling it quits? No matter how strong you are, no matter how much faith you have, at some point, that will be the progression of the pressures of life and the responsibilities and all the things that get placed on your shoulders. So how do we navigate that? How do we navigate it? Well, we pay attention to, one, what has actually changed. Because in this passage and in our own lives, what's changed? It's not the weight it's not the pressure. It's not that it's getting more and more. It's we're getting weaker and weaker. For Moses, the only thing that changed, it was not the staff. It was not how high he had to hold it. It was the amount of time, how long he needed to hold his hands up holding the staff. And over time, the pressure feels heavier and heavier, and we become weaker and weaker, no matter how strong you are. So it's not a matter of lessening the pressure. That doesn't fix anything. What we see is a better solution, a better direction, and it's in the form of Aaron and her, one on each side of him. Notice what they do for Moses here. The first thing they do is they found a stone or found a rock for him to sit on. Side note, there's a lot of things in the Old Testament that point to Jesus. The whole Old Testament is is foreshadowing and pointing over to Jesus. So is it interesting that the first thing that Aaron and her do was had Moses sit on the rock? 
the one that is immovable, the one we are called to rest upon. So Moses sat on the rock that was provided here by Moses and Aaron. Notice, when he sat down, did he let his arms down? No, look back in your, look back in your Bible. He sat down, but his arms were still lifted. He went from here to here. Arms still up. He's still holding onto the staff. He did not sit down and then, oh, thank goodness, my arms are killing me. He did not drop his responsibilities. He did not drop his staff. He sat down to find a little bit of rest and a little bit of relief, but he did not release his responsibilities. He sat down. That's becoming a little bit more manageable. And he still held his hands up. Just because he sat down to rest does not mean he released or let go of his responsibilities. The second thing we see from Aaron and her, and this is the part I absolutely love, says, they found a stone for him to sit on. Then they stood on each side, one on the other of Moses, holding up his hands. Notice Aaron and her did not take the staff from Moses. It wasn't, hey, you've done a great job. You gave, you gave it for a little bit. Hey, uh, tag team, let me have the staff and I'll hold it up for a little bit. And then her holds it up for a little bit. All right, Aaron, it's your turn. Now you take it, you hold it for a little bit. We'll just keep rotating. It's a great solution. But that's not how it works, right? You can't just offload all your responsibilities to me and I take care of them. I can't do that to you. I can't say, man, here's all the things that are just really overwhelming me and putting me under pressure. Here, you just like do these things. It doesn't work that way. They didn't cheer him on. They didn't just sit him down. All right, you got this. Okay, hang in there. No, no, a little higher, a little higher. All right, now we're good. Keep going. Oh, Moses, you're doing great. Just a little bit longer. They were not even cheerleaders for Moses. They came alongside of him. They could not take his responsibility. They could not take the staff from him, but they could hold his hands up. I love that picture of Aaron on one side, her on the other, holding Moses' hands up. And remember the result? Remember what scripture says? And the result was his hands were, do you remember the word there? Look at it, look at it with me. They held his hands up, and as a result, his hands held steady. Oh, what an important word, steady. Steady says, I'm tired, but I'm still holding strong. I'm exhausted, but I'm not letting up. I don't think I can do this, but I've got other people that are helping me. Steady. When you start to falter, when you start to get shaky, when you start to fill in the blank of what pressure is causing you to do, when you're getting weaker, steadiness. Notice Aaron and her didn't fix anything. They didn't take the responsibilities away. They came alongside Moses, held his hands up, and gave him steady hands. Church, this is a beautiful picture of, of us of the church. Oftentimes we could read this passage and we could apply it to, well, that's why you got to have like really good friends in your life. And sure, I'm not saying that's wrong, but this is a beautiful picture of how the church is intended to function. What we do on a Sunday is not just a one hour sit and listen and go home. I mean, please hear me. What we do on a Sunday is this. We hold each other's hands up. We spiritually intercede for one another through prayer. We tell people, I can't do this and I need some help. And other people come alongside and hold your hands up for you. We don't take the responsibilities from you. We help you carry them. 
We don't stand up on the hill or by ourselves. We don't fight our battles alone. We do this with one another. It's a beautiful picture of church. Not just showing up to church, but being the church and being there for one another. There's a lot of reasons people go to church. There's a lot of people, a lot of reasons people get involved. I'm trying to find my place. I want to be able to serve. I, I, I need community. I want to grow in my faith. All of those are great and true, and I love those. Can I just add two more perspectives as to why we show up every single Sunday? Is when you walk through those doors, would you be willing to have a little bit of a different perspective? So, for example, when, when I stand up here, and I, I love the, the privilege I get because I get to see all of you. Like, literally, I see you every Sunday. And when I see you, I don't just see, oh, look, church attenders or people that got up to come to church today. No, what I see are people that will hold my hands up if needed. And I see people that I can hold their hands up if needed. Church, we need you. And you need us. And I need you. And you need me to do just that. So if you'd be willing to have a different perspective or add to it, when you show up on a Sunday morning, you start walking through these doors, would you be willing to say, God, who, who do I need to hold up today? Because there's somebody here that is feeling like they're about ready to just let go. God, who is that? God, maybe, let me sit next to them. Let me talk with them. Let me be able to, to hold their hands up. I can't fix the problem. I can't solve anything. And I don't really always know what to do, but could I sit next to somebody and hold their hands up? And by holding hands up, I'm interceding for them. I'm praying over them. I'm praying for them. I'm being a support. I'm letting them know they're not alone. God, who needs that from me today? Instead of just showing up, man, I really hope I like the music today. And man, I hope Brian says something semi-inspirational. No, like show up looking for people to hold up. That's why you show up. Maybe you're not that, you're the opposite. You're more like Moses and you're walking in like, I'm about ready to let go of this. And you still show up. You show up because you know that this is the place where you'll be held up. And you walk in those doors not afraid to say, I'm not having a good day. I'm not having a good week. I'm not having a good season. I'm struggling and I'm not sure what else to do. I don't think I can hang on much longer. I don't think I can deal with the pressure much more. And you get people that hold you up. That's why you show up. Don't minimize what we do as a church to listening and singing. What we do as a church is what Aaron and her did for Moses. And as a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle. As a result of what Aaron and Hur were able to do alongside Moses. Let me give you a quick recap. Let me kind of walk through these with you. Uh, this might be good to like reflect on, think on, pray through this week. If you want to take a picture, I'm going to go through them really fast. You're not going to be able to write them down that quick. Aaron and Hur were with Moses before Moses needed Aaron and Hur. Remember, they didn't go, Moses didn't go up on the hillside by himself and then start asking for help. He said, no, 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 I'm, you're going you're gonna to come with me because I'm going to need you at some point. I don't know when, but I know I'm going to need you. Aaron and Hur were a helping hand, not a hand off. Again, when Moses started to get tired, so tired, he didn't just say, oh, fine, you take it, your turn. They were a helping hand. Moses didn't just dump or hand off the responsibilities. Aaron and Hur brought steadiness and stability, nothing more. They did not fix anything. They held Moses' hands. So instead of shaky, he was steady. And the impact of Aaron and her went beyond just who they were helping. I mean, imagine the scene. You have Joshua and the Israelite army fighting. 
Moses was interceding for them, Aaron and Hur were holding up Moses' hands. So Joshua and the, and the army won because Moses was holding the staff up and interceding. And the only reason he was able to do that is because Aaron and Hur were holding his hands up. In other words, the, the person that you come alongside, you have no idea the ripples of you holding their hands up. You have no idea what battle they're fighting. You have no idea who else is in that battle with them. And you bringing steadiness and stability by holding someone's hands up, you have no idea the impact that you're going to make. The New Testament authors speak to this as well. Let me throw these up here as well. Again, take a picture. Be good to study through this week. Paul says in Galatians, share each other's burdens. Carry one another's burdens. That's a beautiful picture of what we're seeing actually happen here in the story of Moses, Aaron, and her. It wasn't a remove all of my burdens. It was like, no, share these with me. Help someone. James, half-brother Jesus said, confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you'll be healed. The earnest prayer, what a good word to tie with prayer there. Your earnest prayer has power and produces wonderful results. That talks about the transparency and vulnerability we are called as a church to have with one another. It's not confess so you will be judged. That's not how it should work. It's confess so that you find stability and you find a helping hand. Paul writes again in Colossians, devote yourselves to prayer. Not just do prayer, devote yourselves to prayer. And I love that he then later, and pray for us. Like I need prayer, I'm gonna be praying for you, I need you to pray for us, I need all of us to be devoted in prayer. Ephesians 6, pray in the spirit, look at all this, at all times, on every occasion, for all the believers everywhere. That's a lot of alls. <laughs> Pray in the Spirit all times, every occasion, for all the believers everywhere. I don't think anything gets left out of that. That's what we're called to do. That's who we're called to be. So we're going to do that. You ready? Um, first of all, I need to ask, where are all my introverts in the room? That's what I thought. Yep, yep, that's right. Where are my extroverts? Nah, you're my people. Thank you. All right, introverts, you're just going to have to bear with me for a couple minutes. What's a, what is about to happen is going to be way outside your comfort zone. You're going to hate me for it, but I promise it'll be beneficial in the end. So just bear with me. Just, <laughs> I was going to say it's not that big of a deal. It's a big deal for you. And I recognize that I'm married to an introvert and uh, that's why she's not at church today. But no, I'm just kidding. She was here for a service. She's serving now. Don't tell her I said that. All right, here's what I need you to do. I need you to take your card with your name on it and I need you to exchange it with somebody else. Front row, help me out here. I need to, somebody take mine. Don't all fight at once. There you go. All right, so exchange it. Everybody exchange it. Exchange it. You should not have your own name. That does require you to maybe move a little bit or talk to somebody you normally don't talk to or look at somebody else. I understand. That's a big deal for some of you. Do you get it? Everybody got a card? You should not have your own. Do not have your own. All right, we're going to do that again. We are going to exchange once again. Do not get your same card back. Will you exchange with me? Can you help me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to change again. So do it a second time. Change cards with somebody else. Change cards with somebody else. Somebody else, somebody else. Look behind you if you need to. There's people that sit behind you. Do you know that? There's even people in front of you. So change the card around. You should not have that same card. I think we're getting it. All right. Introverts, you're, we're almost done. You're doing great. <laughs> you're doing so. I'm so proud of you right now. All right, last time, last one, last one. All right, I need to exchange with somebody. Thank you, thank you, last time. Now you really have to move around. Do not get those same cards back. 
There you go. Change them up. Move around. Stand up if you must. Look at all these introverts all excited, like, I got to move around. And all the introverts are like, we're never coming back. Why is he doing this? This is great. Oh, man. We do not do this every Sunday, but we might now because that was fun. That was great. All right, here's what we're going to do. All right. This is who, this is a, you don't probably know this person, but the person on your card, that's who you are going to intercede for. That's who you're praying for. Well, how long, Brian? I have no idea. Until God releases you from praying for that person. Hopefully it's more than a day or two. Push yourself. So it goes in your Bible, it goes on your nightstand, it goes in your car, it goes on your, on your mirror, it goes in your kitchen, it goes on your fridge. You don't know what that person is going through, but God does. You don't know what that person is struggling with, but God does. You don't know what that person needs to have stability and steadiness in their life, but God does, and you're just going to go to bat for them. You're going to spiritually fight for that person. Maybe for a couple weeks, maybe for this entire series, maybe this person just becomes part of your prayer life. And you may never know what those prayers do in that person's life. But we know who we're praying for, and we know who we're praying to. So intercede. Let me share the very last part of this story, and then we'll wrap up. Verse 14. After the victory, the Lord instructed Moses, write this down on a scroll as a permanent reminder, and read it aloud to Joshua. I will erase the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar there and named it Yahweh Nisi, which means the Lord is my banner. Three things that God instructed them to do after the battle, after they won. Write it down. Why? Because they were going to have to fight the Amalek army at another time later on in their story. And God wanted to be able to point back and say, I know it's scary, but you've been here before and I've been here with you before. So we're going to remember God's faithfulness. Moses built an altar, a visual and a physical reminder of the faithfulness of God that told a story of God's faithfulness. And then he named it Yahweh Nisi, which means the Lord is my banner. A banner is something we are all underneath. It unifies us. It even identifies us. It's almost a rallying point. So what I would encourage for you is no matter the pressure you feel under, always remember we are under the banner of the Lord, which means you are under his power. You are under his might. You are under his love. You are under his grace. You are under his forgiveness. You are under his faithfulness. You are under his sovereignty. You are under him. No matter what pressures you feel, you are under the power of God. We start with our relationship with God, and it's very personal. He becomes our Lord and our Savior, our rock. But we need people around us. We need church to hold up our hands when we can't deal with it anymore. During this last song, I'm going to encourage you to sing with two things in mind. The first one is as an act of surrender to God. God, I'm going to lay it all at your feet. What I'm dealing with is bigger than what I can handle on my own. So I need you. It's what Moses was doing. I have to go to God. I can't just fight this on my own. I got to go to God. Our victory only comes from him. The second thing I would encourage you to do, introverts, you're probably going to ignore this part, and that's okay. Typically when we sing and we, we sing worship songs, we turn the lights down low and we have the volume up really high so you can't hear yourself or anybody else around you. We do that for your own good, um, especially if you sit next to where I'm at. Could I encourage you during this song to look around a little bit more. Know that you're not singing this song by yourself. We are singing this song to God, but we, us, 
body of believers are singing this together. You're not singing this song of surrender on your own. Believe it in your heart. But take a look at the voices around you, the people around you, as we sing together. Let me pray. Jesus, thank you so much for what you did on the cross, defeating both sin and death. Thank you that victory is only found in you. We are not fighting this battle on our own. You have already fought it for us, but we need people around us to hold our hands up when it becomes too much. So we put our hope in you. We put our trust in you. We put our faith in you. But God, we also know and believe and trust that you will put the right people around us to hold our hands up. When the pressure feels too much, may we have the people of God around us, your church, the body of believers, the family of God, holding our hands up when we cannot. In Jesus' name. Amen.